Baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's often misunderstood. I mean, this is one of these, you know, have you received the baptism, right? It's like, ooh, the baptism. What does this mean? Um, Well, this is a very biblical thing, and we're going to go over it. First of all, let's just talk about what is baptism. What is baptism? Now, um, it comes from the Greek word baptizo in Greek, okay, baptizo. Uh, And it, it means to dip to immerse or to submerge, to dip, immerse, or submerge. Now, just for in case you're ever on Jeopardy, baptize is a made-up word in English. It's actually a transliteration. Uh, Back when the King James Bible was being translated, at the time, the Church of England, in order to baptize, they sprinkled. And when the translators came across the word that meant submerge or immerse, they thought, rut-row, We're just going to call this baptize because we don't want to get anyone in trouble, namely the guy that commissioned this translation of the Bible. So that's why baptize baptize did not exist as an English word before the Bible was translated. Uh, But it literally means to dip, immerse, or submerge. And that's why when we do water baptism, we, you know, take you all the way under the water, okay? Doesn't, I, personally, I, I don't mind if someone sprinkles. I would prefer that they dip, but I think God honors the heart of the matter. Um, so that's what baptize means. Now, here's the thing. There are actually three baptisms for the believer in Scripture. There are many more baptisms that are mentioned, up to seven, depending on who you know, you're studying and, and how you're defining a few things. But there are three baptisms specifically for believers. And so I just want to give you a little bit of context about baptism first before we get into uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the first one, and you may not think of it this way, but the first one is baptism into the body of Christ. Baptism into the body of Christ. Now, this is what we would also know as salvation. Salvation. Um, and you'll, you'll read, let me read this to you. I've got the wrong scripture up there. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Now, you may not have realized this, but when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were actually baptized into Jesus. Now, remember what baptized means. It means submerged or immersed. You are in Christ. That's why we, we, we say things, we often think of it as the blood of Christ, like, Lord, I plead the blood over me, right? I'm, I'm covered in, I'm submerged in, I'm immersed in Christ, Remember, Scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ. It's a baptism. It's an immersion. It's a submersion into him. Okay? So, that's the first baptism is the baptism into the body of Christ. Here's the second one. Is water baptism. Water baptism. Now, this is what you normally think of when you hear the word baptism, probably. If if I say we're going to have a baptism service... You, you hear, okay, that means they're going to dunk people in water. And it is a biblical baptism. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says this. Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. This is water baptism. That's why you go under. It's a, it's a, a, proc, a proclamation of your own death. I'm going under into the grave. And then what do you do? You come back up. And so it says, we were died and buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And that's why we bring you out of the water. So you go under the water. It's like a death to your old, to your flesh, to your old ways. You come up out of the water, um, and 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 you are a new person. Now, let me just clarify a few things. There are some people that have taught that you've got to be water baptized in order to be saved. Okay, it's not what Scripture says. It's after salvation that you get water baptized. It's separate from salvation, and it's after salvation, okay? Uh, you don't have to be baptized by a certain person. Anyone heard that before? You don't have to be baptized by a certain person um, or anything like that. Now, water baptism in Scripture is often called baptism in the name of Jesus. Baptism in the name of Jesus. See, if you ever see, I've been baptized in the name of Jesus, they're talking about water baptism. Okay? That's, that's another way of saying water baptism. So these are the baptisms that are in Scripture that no one argues that a believer should partake in. Right here. We all Christians believe, well, you got to be saved and you need to be baptized. They might argue a little bit over how you're baptized, when you're baptized, and in what way you're baptized, because we got to argue about something, right? But you're not going to have anyone say, no, no, you don't have to be baptized into the body of Christ. Sure you do. It's what this is all about, right? Salvation through Christ. But we've got a third baptism that we see all throughout Scripture, that's also a baptism for believers, and it's baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it, you'll also hear it called being filled with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit coming upon someone, or the Holy Spirit falling on someone, which is kind of funny to me. I kind of imagine the Holy Spirit like tripping, and whoa, boom, like nailing you. It's what it feels like sometimes. But, but we have all these different words for baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this too. It's baptism in the Holy Spirit, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that, that's because Jesus, Jesus actually baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, uh, there are four times in all four Gospels when it talks about the fact that um, Jesus will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. You remember John the Baptist, Johnny B.? He's baptizing people by the River Jordan, right? And, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and he says, I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Two, two, uh, two instances say the Holy Spirit and fire. And so Jesus is the one that baptizes us in, in the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and it was announced at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry that that was one of the things he was going to do. And it's in all four Gospels, isn't that interesting? Now, we've got four accounts of the life of Jesus. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the synoptic gospels because they kind of agree with each other. They're very similar, and they, by and large, only record the last year of Jesus' ministry on the earth. Only the last year. Uh, many of the previous years aren't recorded in those gospels. But, and then John is the fourth gospel, 
and it records the beginning, a lot more of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, uh, but all four tell us that one of the things Jesus wants to do is to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels. The only other things that are in all four Gospels are the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's that important. It made all four Gospels. So, let's look at a couple of scriptures here. I'm going to just read this to you. For, uh, let's just kind of read about this baptism the first time it happens. It's in Acts. We're going to read uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 4, 5, and 8. Uh, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, Once when he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with his disciples. This is after he was resurrected. But he's hanging out with them for about 30 days, Okay. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he had promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, this is verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, Jesus is resurrected. He's hanging out with the disciples. He teaches them for about 30 days or so, and then he ascends to the Father. He says, but stay here. They're already in Jerusalem for Passover, and they're hanging out with Jesus after Passover. He goes, I want you to stay here, okay? 30 or 40 days. I don't remember the the amount of days. But um, he he, he says, stay here for a little bit because Pentecost is coming, and we we learned last week what does Pentecost mean. It's a number 50, 50 days after Passover, okay? So he says, hang out, hang out, because I want to I demonstrate to my people that, that, that I'm going to use their own feast to show them that I want you to feast on me. I want you to feast on the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that day comes. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to read 1 through 4 here. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, just like he said. By the way, uh, Jesus' mother Mary was there, and there are a lot of women there too. Uh, a lot of people think that it's just the 12 disciples. There's actually around 120 people, men and women. Amen. That's right. Women, you are not excluded. You're not excluded. You were there too. There's not a female Holy Spirit and a male Holy Spirit. Okay? And Irma likes that. So let's keep reading. Verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Ah, now what does spirit mean in Greek? Winds, breath. No wonder it sounded like a mighty windstorm because the Holy Spirit is the holy wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. But then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We also hear, we heard it twice here, with the Holy Spirit. So this is when you are immersed or submerged in or with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what it means. Now, I want to tell you three things I want you to know. Three things I want you to know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three things to know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from salvation 
and comes after salvation. Okay? Baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from salvation and comes after salvation. Um, it's separate. Now, we know this just because of language, right? Now, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. But when you get submerged or immersed in the Holy Spirit, he is upon you or outside of you. It's the same if I were to have a cup of water and I were to take a sip, the water is now inside of me. But if I were to take that same cup of water and pour it over my head, the water is now upon me. Two totally different experiences, two totally different purposes. Sometimes, all those times that I'm exercising... I don't really want to take a sip of water, but I've poured it over my head before, and that feels really good, doesn't it? But other times, if I'm really thirsty, I don't want to pour water on my head. I want to drink it. And so these are two totally different ideas, okay? And it comes after salvation, just like water baptism comes after salvation. It can come five seconds after salvation, but you don't get water baptized and then pray the sinner's prayer, do you? You don't. You pray the sinner's prayer. You give your life to Jesus. You give your life to Christ. Then you get water baptized. And by the way, some of you, if you're putting off water baptism, you, need, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And I know it may be a little weird. You get into a tub is how we do it here. It's a you know, big area we baptize. Well, I don't like being in front of people. What if I look stupid? You don't really get to set the rules as far as how... You go about your relationship with Christ. He's God. He gets to set the rules. If you've never been water baptized, you've never, uh, maybe you were sprinkled as a kid or christened or, or, or maybe, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you did and you didn't know what you were doing. It was a long time ago. You need to be water baptized. We have, we have four year. We do one, once a quarter. And you really should be water baptized. If, even if you don't understand all the theology of it, just because Jesus asked you to. Is a really good reason to, okay? Isn't that a good reason? Yeah, okay, Lord, I love you. I'll do this. I mean, come on. It's not a big deal. So, so just like water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from salvation and comes after salvation. I'm going to show this to you in Scripture. First of all, let's look at the Jewish disciples. Now, in John 20, 22, it's at the end of Jesus' ministry. He actually says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he blows on them, and it says they receive the Holy Spirit. That's the first time anyone got saved. That's the first time. You say, well, I thought they were following Jesus for a long time. They were, but he had to die and resurrect before they could be saved through the new covenant. And he enacted the new covenant with his death and resurrection, and then now he was like, I can't wait to save these guys. And so he... Receive the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 2, we already read it. That was when they were baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. They were submerged for the first time. They were saved. Holy Spirit was in them, but Holy Spirit was only upon them in Acts 2. Are you with me? Okay? So that's the Jewish disciples. Now, it's funny. God did this in stages because people are weak. He, 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 he rolled out his plan of the Holy Spirit to the Jewish disciples and said, I'm your Messiah, and I love you, and here's my presence. 
No longer is it behind the veil. But, his, but that wasn't his only goal. He also wanted to roll it out to other people. And so next he went to the Samaritans. Now this is about 10 years after Acts chapter 2. This is, it's, it's a long time after, okay? He goes to the Samaritans. Now if you don't know who the Samaritans are, the Samaritans are half-breeds. They're half-Jewish, half-Gentile. They fought with the Jews like cats and dogs. They didn't like each other at all. And, and God says, this is a great people to demonstrate my grace to. Because you hate them, I'm going to love them. So look at Acts chapter 8. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem, this is verses 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. Okay, are they saved? Yeah, they accepted God's message. They're believers, right? Accepted God's message. He sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were believers. They had been water baptized, baptism in the name of Jesus, but they hadn't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. There we go. So here, here you, see, you see all three baptisms working together. They were baptized into the family of Christ, into the body of Christ. They had already received the baptism uh, of Jesus in, in, in the name of Jesus, water baptism. But then they didn't know about the Holy Spirit, and so they laid hands on them, and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Samaritans, Okay. Kind of stretched the Jewish disciples a little bit. Hey, we didn't like them. They're only half-breeds. Well, then, a few years later, God sends Peter to the Gentiles. Now, if they didn't like the Samaritans, they really didn't like the Gentiles. Because they were not only partially Jewish, they were not Jewish at all. And they were like, wait a minute, Jesus is our Messiah. But all of a sudden, we see that the coming of the Messiah wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles as well. So we read about this in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 47. It says, even as Peter was saying these things. So Peter went to a guy. Let me give you some context. Peter's hanging out with a guy named Cornelius. He actually has a vision where God says, I want you to go to this guy's house. What, what I've called clean, you must not call unclean. So go to this guy's house and preach him the gospel. And Peter's like, um, Lord, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a Jew. He's a Gentile. We don't even go in their house. And God's like, did I stutter? And Peter's like, no, that's my paraphrase, by the way. That's not in scripture. Don't look it up afterwards. Did I stutter? You know, Bible gateway or something. It's not in there. It's my paraphrase. And so he goes over there and he's preaching. And Peter was kind of a mouthy verbal guy. He liked to talk a lot. I love this because he over talks ministry, which I think we do sometimes. And, and I love this. God kind of cuts him off. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So their minds are being blown right now. Because they thought Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And he was, but he was also the Gentile Messiah. The Messiah for anyone who would receive. 
And these people already believe in Jesus. They're already saved. They already had Holy Spirit in them. But this was when Holy Spirit was upon them. Now notice the first time the laying on of hands brought about baptism of Holy Spirit. But this time, the Holy Spirit was just like, and now. (laughs) we got to be careful that we don't make rules about how this thing is done. Okay? Here's the next group. So not only do we have Jewish disciples receiving the baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit and the Samaritans receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the Gentiles receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. By the way, there are some people that teach that baptism in the Holy Spirit is not available today. Uh, That it was only to these specific groups as God was showing that everyone is involved. And so these were basically Pentecosts for the Samaritans and the Gentiles as well. There's a problem with that one, and it's Acts 19. <laughs> Is that there's an additional time where it's recorded that, that people are, they don't belong to a certain group. There's no theological teaching that God's trying to do. He's just loving on people because it's what he does. And so in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, he's in Ephesus. Paul is in Ephesus, so let's just read it. Um, it says, while Paulos was in Corinth... Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast. He found several believers. Are they saved? Yes, they're believers. Okay? Several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Mm, My, my. There's a lot of people like that. Aren't there? There's a lot of people. We don't even know. We've just heard to stay away because it's weird. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know what that's about. Verse 3, Paul says, Then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, The baptism of John. Now, the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance that happened before the ministry of Jesus. It was to get people ready for Jesus. Okay? So let's keep reading. The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dunked in water, right? That's, that's what happened. Okay, cool. Let's go find a, someone got a pool, right? So they get baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 6, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So they received the baptism. So here, here we have someone who's baptized into the, the family or the body of Christ, They're water baptized in the name of Jesus, and then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So do you see this? Do you see how it's separate from salvation and comes after salvation? Now, don't let the order mess you up too much. Salvation always comes first, but there are instances where people um, get saved, right? They, They come to Christ, they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then they get water baptized. We're good. We're still good. Okay, I know a lot of churches, denominations try to know this is how it goes. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'll show you. I'm going to do it how I'm going to do it. Okay, logically, you have to be a believer in Christ first to receive any other baptisms. But we don't want to get hung up on that kind of stuff. So so that's the first point. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from salvation and comes after salvation. All right. Here's the next thing I want you to know about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Is that you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by asking for it. 
Well, how do I, do I have to, you know, there's all sorts of different ideas. I've heard people teach that you have to tarry. That means wait. You have to tarry for the baptism because the apostles in the upper room had to wait, you know, for 10 days or two weeks or so. No, the reason they had to wait is because God wanted to use Pentecost as the marker. And it was 50 days after, after uh, Passover. So, so there's no tarrying. You don't have to really, really want it and sit in a closet and rock back and forth. Oh, God, please. No. We don't see that in Scripture, do we? No. You receive the Holy Spirit by asking for it. Luke eleven nine 9 through 13. I love this. It demonstrates the heart of God. It says, Jesus is talking. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks on the door, will. And to everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be opened. You fathers, if, you, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Please say no. Verse 12, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Please no. Do not, fathers, do not put scorpions in Easter eggs next week. I know it's April Fool's Day. Don't do it. I might, I might hide a couple of empty eggs. Just, that'd be funny. It is April Fool's. But don't put scorpions. It's, not, it's against what the Bible says, okay? Of course not. Verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. That's all religious garbage. You don't have to do it. You just ask. You just ask. He's a good father. Now, one of the hoops that people get hung up on sometimes, let me just address this really quickly, is the idea of tongues. Uh, We often see people speaking in tongues after they get filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Okay? Let me let you know. I do not believe that tongues are the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. I believe that tongues are an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. In Scripture, we see more often than not Tongues are a part of the experience. But we also see prophecy. We also see other things that are a part of the experience. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that you should earnestly desire all the gifts. Okay? So if you want to speak in tongues, you can. Okay? You can. But is it a requirement? Is that the evidence that you received the baptism? No. I actually have uh, someone that I really, really look up to named Randy Clark who got his doctorate and he did his doctoral dissertation on this. What are the evidences or the signs anecdotally? Like, like, uh, like what do we see when people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What, what are the evidences that they've received? And you know what the number one evidence is according to their study? is tears. That's the first thing people usually see. Usually when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, and there's usually a feeling, sometimes it's warmth. I've had some people say it was a cool feeling, like a breath of fresh air. Huh? Huh? Um, All different kinds of things. Okay? Uh, But that was the number. The second one was laughing. People started laughing. Why? Because it's fun. (laughs) It's okay to laugh. (sighs) All right? On down the list was tongues. Okay, on down the list was tongues and, and all different things. Some people just felt overwhelming peace, okay? And so, so let's, let's not create hoops for people to jump through, okay? Let's not, let's not do that. 
Let's not do that. I think having a prayer language is wonderful. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, And when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. It's spirit-to-spirit communication. I think it's a great gift. If Jesus walked up to you and said, Hey, let me give you my cell phone number. You wouldn't be like, nah. You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> because football season's coming up. Huh? No, if Jesus said, let me give you my cell phone number, you'd be like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, think of that as praying of the Spirit. Direct communication. It's says direct line. Okay? That's all it is. Why is it another language? So you won't overthink it, you overthinker. <laughs> so it'll just bypass your brain because you're over here praying for this and you need to be praying for that. And you don't know that, but he does. So that's what it is, okay? So, but you, you know, I, I, I don't think... Uh, uh, I think having a personal prayer language is an option for anyone that receives the baptism. I highly recommend it. But is it a hoop you have to jump through? It doesn't mean that if you didn't get a prayer language that you didn't get baptized. No, doesn't mean that. Okay? Here's, here's the last thing I want you to know about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Is you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit over and over. Now, there's a first time for everything. Right? There is. But scripturally, we see that it happens multiple times. Acts chapter 4, verses 31, Peter and John are preaching. Uh, Acts 2 is when the Holy Spirit first baptized them all, right? Acts 4, they're preaching. They get in trouble. They spend the night in jail, okay? Many of you spent the night in jail, but not for preaching. They spent the night in jail (laughs) for preaching, right? And so they get out early in the morning. They have a prayer meeting. And they're like, you know, these people are really, you know, they're, they're threatening them. And so they don't pray for protection. They pray for boldness. Acts 4.31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. See, the evidence of being filled this time was boldness. Wasn't it? It was boldness. What do you mean they were filled with the Holy Spirit? I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. They were. They were. It's not like God's like, no, you already got it, man. I got other people to tend to. That's not how he, that's not how he works. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting. and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've heard, this is my understanding, is that the tense where it says be filled is actually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, live your life in such a way that you're constantly being filled in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It makes a lot of sense. You know, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to cry. You don't have to laugh. You don't have to fall out. You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to do any of that. All you've got to do is receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's all you've got to do. And a lot of people worry about this kind of stuff. And, 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 and there are sometimes, uh, uh, Holy Spirit will do something that's a little different. I mean, every time people were filled in the, uh, or baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was pretty often that they said, that person's drunk. That's what happened in Acts 2, right? They're drunk. No, they're not. It's just, it's just the Holy Spirit, man. Well, here he says, don't be drunk. You want to act goofy? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you have to be a, a blubbering idiot, but what does alcohol do? It lowers our inhibitions, right? I love you. Right? Well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it feels good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's euphoric. And so there's sometimes, sure, people laugh, they cry. I've seen drunk people do both. 
Don't let alcohol do it to you. Let the Holy Spirit do it to you. Last thing, I want you to see this. I want to drive this point home. Y'all, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is normal. Not being baptized in the Holy Spirit is abnormal. Let me show you two more verses to drive this home and then we're done. You need three baptisms. Let me show you in Scripture. This is Acts 2.38. They just received the baptism. Peter is preaching. And I want you to see I've color-coded the three baptisms. Remember, there's baptism into the body of Christ, there's water baptism, and there's Holy Spirit baptism. He says this, each of you must repent from your sins and turn to God. That's in red. That's salvation. That's baptism into the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of, uh, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, baptism in the name of Jesus, that's blue. What is that? Water baptism, right? We've seen that in scripture. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit baptism. Do you see all three? You see all three? Preachers preaching, preaching the gospel. What do we need to do? They ask. Okay, I receive this. What happens? Get saved, get dunked, and receive the Holy Spirit. It couldn't be more clear. This is an interesting verse. 1 John chapter 5, verses 7. It says this. For there are three, there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Now, to testify means to affirm that you've seen or heard or experienced something. You want to experience God. He's a triune being, and there are three experiences, baptisms he wants you to go through. It's the spirit, the water, and the blood. Now, they're in reverse order here. But the blood is receiving salvation of Jesus Christ, being baptized into the family of God. Then water is being washed, being cleansed, baptized in the name of Jesus, water baptism, and then the spirit baptism. All three work together and form a perfect testimony of three witnesses that you belong to Jesus. Amen? Amen. God's got good things for you. I was, I was studying, I was putting my PowerPoint together and Tiffany ran and got me some chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. I opened up the box and this is what I saw. To dip or not to dip? That's my question to you this morning. <laughs> to be baptized means, whew, I feel the presence of the Lord, you guys. <laughs> whew. To be baptized means to be dipped. It means to be submerged and to be immersed. I'll ask it my normal way. Have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Let's stand.